Mobility as a service or mass is one of the hottest topics in public transportation. While the subject may be new for some, there's little question it impacts you every time you get on a bar train, and its reach has potential to go even beyond that. Welcome to Hidden Tracks, Stories from BART. I'm Chris Filippi, your host for this episode, and I'm joined by BART's Director of Technology, Angie West, and Tim Moore, our Manager of Web Services. Both are here to talk about mass and its far-reaching impacts. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us, Chris. Thank you for having us, Chris. So this podcast has the opportunity right off the top to settle an important argument. Is it mass or is it moss? Because it's capital M, lowercase a, lowercase a, s. You know, I say mass, and I, it's just the way I like to pronounce it. Yeah, and... that's me too, me too. But it's I, I, hear, every, I hear it all across the board. You right. Know? I mean... I think it's a, there's a personal preference there, but we like right. mass. Right, and I love that as an icebreaker, mass or moss, and, and we always sell on mass. Yeah. Let's go with that. And if anybody asks, they can come back to this podcast, and the debate's been settled that's at right. this yeah, point. That's so right. we've already accomplished something. <laughs> at least between us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I think when many people hear about mobility as a service, the first thing that's likely come to mind, especially for BART, is the trip planner. Now, we'll talk more about the trip planner as we go in, but let's start with... How would you define mobility as a service? You know, what I'd like to do is um, mobility as a service to me is like, is it an app? Is it a platform? You know, but when I look at mobility as a service, it's really about improving the customer experience and how they will like to journey on transit, right? Uh, and it's not just about BART, but from the time they leave their home all until they get to their end destination, how do how do we improve their customer experience and it's not it also that's our main goal is have a frictionless or a very good personal uh, journey for the customer the other thing is is that mass also includes includes modernizing business practices and what i mean by that is you know you had the old um you know parking you know stalls now we're moving into better ways to pay for parking um, and also just seamless. You know, we use the term seamless. Tim knows I like to use the term more frictionless because I believe seamless means it's just going to be perfect from end to end, but frictionless means we try to get as as just as, as smooth as possible for the customer's journey. So that's really kind of what I look at um, as the, the definition that we use here at BART. That is a really powerful vision, and mm -hmm. it touches on so many aspects mm -hmm. of a person's trip. And, mm -hmm. and that really is empowering when you think about it, because mm -hmm. if you can make something simple like paying for parking at mm -hmm. BART, that really improves someone's commute, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I mean, I, I think for me, um, Mass has like three elements to it. You know, first, it's like a, a comprehensive view for customers of all of their transit options. You know, bus, BART is in there. Um, bike, rideshare, scooters, you know, all of these related services also, including parking, as you mentioned, bike lockers, maybe Wi-Fi service on BART uh, at some point uh, in the future. All of this is wrapped up, in our in our case at least, as a mobile app. It's kind of like your, your personal concierge service for, mm -hmm. for transit. You know, the second element, I think, for Mass, for me, is, uh, you know, the platform gives a more convenient way to pay. Uh, to customers. So it's not like you're paying for every leg of the trip all the way down the line in multiple transactions. What we're trying to do is wrap up all of those transactions into one single transaction for, for ease for the customer. And third, and you know, this is really kind of where Angie touched on and things get interesting, is mass platforms help us create more 
value for customers, for the community, and also for the business. Like, for example, BART can use mass platforms to give customers rewards and incentives, perhaps as a way to move folks out of the private car, reduce congestion, you know, mitigate transit constraints that, you know, are just structurally there. Like for us, first and last mile, you know, getting to BART, getting from BART to your final destination, those are some of the constraints that we feel like Mass can can help us with. And we also think it's a critical part of, you know, our post-COVID recovery. Yeah, talk about that because it would seem like a lot of these services are even more important now as riders are starting to come back to BART, mm-hmm. but we're really doing our best to, to regain their trust, to regain their yeah. ridership. Mm-hmm. It seems like Mass has a huge role in that. Yeah, it does. And I, I just want to touch on like the second point that Tim said. It's just a convenient way for them to pay. Um, we're also looking at a better way to offer discounts and incentives. So think about when you leave your home, the first thing you want to do is is plan your journey. And then that planning that journey, you don't want to have to pay for your ride share uh, or your, you know, your car uh uh, share or your TNC and then go and pay for BART and then go in and pay for your scooter. We're trying to wrap all of that travel in together um, from um, end to end. And, and that is what our roadmap is. And not only just for those that are on BART, but if you want to plan a journey and it has the best way is not on BART, our mass platform will also provide that type of itinerary or first mile and last mile journey. Our primary focus is BART, but the way we've wrapped mass around it is if it does not include a BART leg, that's okay. But if it does, BART will uh, be part of that itinerary. So we're, what we want to do what's best for the customer. You both mentioned incentives. Let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that, mm-hmm. what that might look like. Obviously, in September, we celebrated our 50 years of service by giving mm-hmm. 50% off, and that was available for anyone who was using a right. Clipper card. W- would it look something like that, or what kind of ideas could, could be on the table? I'll let you take that. Sure. I think one of the, one of the greatest things about uh, having a mass platform is being able to see what customer choices are occurring out there and mapping those into some of the constraints again that, that we're trying to deal with, like peak ridership, for example, or bringing people to special events. And so if we know that a customer is taking a particular journey and that time period is perhaps uh, you know oversubscribed, there's too many people during that period, we can incentivize them, and this is a project that we did uh, a few years ago, mm-hmm. incentivize them to just make a, a, a little adjustment in their trip, either earlier or later, um, so that we can get more people onto the train during during those those peak times. Also, these these types of rewards to to kind of upsell, and you you, you see this in in like the Starbucks context, or you know some of these some of these other rewards programs to just incentivize you to take that one more trip a week. We're doing our our best to lure customers onto the service as we as in any way that we can uh, because it's more competitive than ever now particularly as the, the number of trips that people are taking are um, you know not as much as they were before COVID. Yeah, it sounds like there are a lot of possibilities for that and the technology is making it possible and I yes. would think that would even go in the area of maybe partnerships like with local businesses to create incentive programs. Is that a possibility at some point? You know we're still looking into that um, and we'll be working with uh, 
planning and development and also marketing on where we really go with the incentives component. So that's what we call is on our roadmap. And that just means it's something that we have, we know we need to do, and it's in our, our vision to integrate incentives. With that said, for the MASS program, we will have incentives. We're partnering with uh, CCTA on a uh, mobility uh, on-demand project where BART's uh, MASS platform is being used. And that uh, offering will have incentives, and they're using how many miles you travel. So based on those miles, you gain points and those points are more back towards uh, another uh, CCTA trip or with another uh, what we call micromobility partner like Hopper, Lime, Bird, Link. you know the scooters, yeah. the bikes. So right now um, I know with our previous Perks program we did partner um, and gave gift cards out but um, you know we still have to look at what's the best way to move that forward. I'm struck yeah. by how important data is in all of this. And it, to me, it seems like a two-way street. Like, mm -hmm. it's critical that we give riders updated information, real-time departures. Trip Planner has all the latest on how to get to and fro. So that's part of it. But it's also, you, I would think, have more access to data than you ever have mm -hmm. in terms of what our riders are doing. And doesn't that tell you what the riders want? Because you can see what their trips are like. Yes, definitely. One of the things that we're looking at um, in our next area is to really look at the analytics. And we have, I don't know, Tim, you know more the numbers, just millions of records of, you know, the travel patterns, uh, you know, what station they entered exit, you know, the times of days. And we really want to uh, begin to look at that. And we're actually looking at tools. Uh, but yeah, we have so much data, but let me let you get yeah. the detail. Yeah, we have a lot of data and we, we don't really have a lot of data that's matching, you know, specific individuals to trips. Right. Uh, we have aggregated data. Right that um, you know tells us in general you know how people are traveling and boarding and alighting you know at specific stations and that that sort of thing and then the other thing is we have the the intention of what customers are doing their trip plans uh, and again we can't really you know lock this into any individual but we can see the trip planner is giving us that intelligence of where people are are going to go on specific days in the future and we're, what we really want to do is track that into our service planning team uh, so that they can make more informed decisions about the type of services we put out in the field. Right. And we actually put a lot of effort into ensuring that we were not able to identify a specific customer and their travel patterns. But what we see is travel patterns. So, again, it's very aggregated. And, and uh, we have a very good uh, policy um, that uh, it oversights us to not do location-based, you know, services, et cetera. I mean, they can turn it on in their app, but we will not be able to pinpoint that. So that's just something I want to bring out. The data is rich, but we will never be able to say, Tim Moore, yeah. here's what you do, right? right? right. Uh, exactly. Uh, we'll tie that to but, an but, yeah, we we, we're really so excited to begin to dig, dig in the, into um, the analytics behind what we've uh, curated over the last, you know, four years. 
And it really seems like for mass to be its most effective, it has to be implemented on a regional level, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to our trip planner. Mm-hmm. It's multimodal and can mm-hmm. even offer trip options, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. that don't even involve BART. Right, right. And, you know, the one thing I'd like to bring out is we are probably the only um, right now trip planner that is true. And I'll let Tim get into the details. Uh, like what you said, is true multimodal. Um, a lot of times we get asked the question, well, you know, well, isn't Google, uh, uh, you know, multimodal? Though they're unimodal, they'll give you, you know, bike, whatever. But we actually give a true multimodal uh, a trip plan, and I think that's is one of the differentiators in what we do. But not only do we do the the true multimodal trip plan, but we also give the fares from, you know, for all of the modes, and you see the end cost of that journey. And our next step, as you can see it on your itinerary, now our next step is to do a unified payment. So the customer is only paying, you know, one time and able to, you know, take the ride share, get on BART, and then do the scooter. And they don't have to do three payments, but just one. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think uh, our trip planner is is pretty unique in the market uh, for a few reasons. I mean, when you look at a trip planner like Google, for example, you know, they do include different modes. But the difference is that, you know, they could do a better job providing the truly multimodal trip. Like when you approach the, these trip planners, you have to pick a single mode up front. Like, you know, I'm going to drive. I want to take transit. I'm going to take my bike. And then you plan that trip. You're pretty much locked into this single mode until you, unless you go back and start over again. Right. It's terrible for transportation, transport like discovery, right? Like what, what are my options? Because you, you have to go in and do individual trips. And it's the same with other players like like Apple Maps, for example. Like if you have a bike uh, and you want to compare Transbay trips on bus and BART and ferry, um, you've got to go in there and do multiple trip plans. Uh, but with the BART trip planner, you see everything door to door and then you get your best options. Uh, walk and transit, bike and transit, transit and transit, uh, you know, scooters and transit. Uh, you see all the combinations across all those different, you know, all the infrastructure that's available. And we don't make you pick a mode up front and, uh, you know, lock you into that. Yeah. And then what you can do, though, is you can choose your favorite modes, right? And then that's what it's going to serve up. If you don't, you know, want a, you know, a scooter and you only want, you know, bus and BART, you can actually choose those favorites and that's what it'll serve up to you. So it just goes back to, us not forcing, but the the customer choosing, right? But if they want all modes, it'll show them all. So, and that's really what we're trying to make that change. It's not about us forcing, but the customer being able to choose. But yet we're doing and and covering the transit as a regional offering for the trip planner. And that's what makes it a powerful tool Mm -hmm. is you're giving the customers, you're giving the riders choice Mm -hmm. and you're being very transparent about that too, which gives you credibility and I would think would draw people to the trip planner even if they're not necessarily planning on taking BART. Mm -hmm. It becomes a destination. It becomes a tool that's useful for Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And again, with the transparency, one of the changes I've been impressed with is uh, when we do major track shutdowns. It includes Mm -hmm. that bus bridge now and you can see it. So talk about transparency now you right. know for sure there's no question yeah. you know if you're going to ride in a certain area where a track project is happening you have to offboard a train and get on a bus yeah. that's true and yeah i, I have yeah. to give uh, i have to give my hat tip to uh, our operations planning team uh, for putting that together 
um, you know, they're the ones who are really scheduling out the, you know, the time transfers and, and all of the schedules mm -hmm. that uh, get customers to where they are and these bus bridges. And they describe them to us and uh, give us those data so that we can represent them properly in the in the trip planner. Right. So it's really, you know, it's a team effort for sure. Yeah, definitely. They are just so awesome. And uh, I think the it's the trip planner, but we have a back-end, you know, engine that allows you to do forward planning for shutdowns and bus bridges, but also it allows you to do right there planning, right? So if a station gets shut down, you we have the capability to, you know, uh, showing our trip planner that that station is shut down. So um, I love the forward planning and the real-time um, availability of being able to show that a station's shut down. I think that's just powerful. Definitely. I mean, one of the <laughs> you see, we uh, got excited, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's you know one of the one of the worst case scenarios to ever see on a BART service advisory mm -hmm. is uh, seek alternate means of transportation. Right. right? Nobody um, wants it. Nobody wants to see that at all. But uh, what we want to try to do in those cases is provide customers what those alternate modes are, and mm -hmm. BART Trip Planner does that. Right. Right. How, how long has BART been pursuing mobility as a service? Uh, we started in 2017, and I'd just like to give you the kind of the backdrop of how we uh, got there. We were actually looking to revamp the website, you know, and the quick planner at that time. And right. I think I, I was just coming into BART. And um, when we start looking at revamping the website and quick planner, you know, we start looking at what was going on the, in, in the industry. And, you know, this term mobility as a service has been around. Moss has been around for a while, but people were really starting to, to, to take hold of it. And instead of just doing a website, you know, and quick planner update, our first one was to upgrade our trip planner. So, you see, we went from quick planner to trip planner. Mm -hmm. But then we said we have more opportunity to, as Tim says, uses a uh, put out a customer, you know, concierge type uh, solution that expanded to an app to our website to Trip Planner, and then we went into payment. So it so it went. It started as trying to do an upgrade to our website, but because we have, uh, I think, innovators and really had innovators on our team, and we actually worked uh, very closely with Alicia Trost. You know, what what are some of the pain points that you're seeing? And and that's how uh, our mass uh, came into existence. So, uh, are other transportation agencies reaching out to BART to find out what we're up to and, and ask questions? Yes, we get a lot of uh, agencies reaching out to us, asking us where we are. And we actually just did the uh, mass uh, summit, what was that, mid-February. And I and I've, I've heard this often is if you were to say who's the most innovative in this space, and a lot of times they say BART, once they understand what we really have behind the hood, it's not just about the trip planner. They see that we have parking payments. They see we, you know, have done a contactless payment for paratransit. Uh, maybe most people don't even know that, but we actually have now uh, reached out into our paratransit space. Um, we support now the employee and the airport discount programs, you know. So mass, and I'd like to, and they reach out to us, Chris, I'm going to kind of make a turn here because a lot of people think mass as an app and to me the phone and the app are not mass right mass is really a back-end uh, engine 
or platform that runs many services. So it runs a payment service. It runs our customer uh, feedback component. Um, it runs our parking. Uh, now our paratransit app. Tim, I'm probably leaving uh, a, a lot of them out. But we also have our um, cybersecurity elements around it. So mass is not just about the app. And I, that's why people reach back out to BART, because we have this holistic roadmap that we're looking to move forward. And the reason I like to say it's not about the app, it's about um, an ecosystem or a platform, because if apps begin to die and there's another what we call channel or a way that you interface and want to schedule your journey, because some people don't like an app, they want the website. We can use any channel based on the way we've built our mass platform. So we can you know, serve it up via app, we can serve it up via website we're even looking at you know can you put the trip planner and journeys on you know a kiosk so so that that's yeah that's why people are really reaching out to us and even to the point there's stories where you know sfmta i think their trip planner went down mm -hmm. and they pointed people to bart's trip planner and we you know work with them and sam trans and others you know have talked uh, we've talked to them about our platform yeah, it's really uh, it's it's uh, encouraging too because uh, you know I, we we do see some of the other like there's some other big ad agencies in the Bay Area pursuing the same trip planner that that we use. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's a product uh, from a company called Hakan. They're uh, you know a subsidiary of Siemens. It's a German company, so they do they do a lot of work in Europe and uh, really have the trip planning uh, thing down. The other thing is uh, we are partnering really closely with MTC on things like payment for Clipper 2 and uh, some of these kind of related services like parking, like bike lockers and those sorts of things. And, and so these partners are all really critical for us and the fact that they want to work with us and be part of the platform is, is really exciting for me. And, and the would... major one is CCTA. I mean, they mm. reached out to us to be part of their grant and help them build their app so they could take a, you know, advantage of a lot of what BART's platform already does. And that's got to be a huge gain for BART as well. As these other agencies come along with their mass plans, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier, I would think, to integrate. For mm -hmm. sure. And yes. I, you know, and I, the, other, the other kind of interesting element about mass is there, there is a, a perception or a kind of a, I guess, a two schools of thought, one might say. There's the kind of one app to rule them all, sort of like the Lord of the Rings sort of, yeah. you know, singular app. And some markets are, are pursuing that. Um, but then there's also this the, another mode where individual agencies or individual groups are providing, even private companies are providing mass platforms in their vision. And it gives the customer the choice to select, you know, whatever one works best for them. We think we know our customers, and uh, and uh, you know we're making informed decisions about our mass platform based on that customer intelligence. But SFMTA may have a different view, and they may have different needs and use cases for mm -hmm. the, for their customers, and they should be able to serve them appropriately. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting to see this ecosystem start to, to develop and the and the and the cross collaboration occurs. Yeah. And nobody can be sure kind of what direction we're going to be going in right. in a few years. So that really gets to the point that it can't be channel specific, can no, it? Can't. You've got no. to be focused elsewhere. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. We're right. talking you know Alexa, uh, Apple Watches, kiosks, you know, we we don't know where these things are going to go and the platform has us in a position to serve, you know, wherever we we go. A little bit of future proofing, yes. I guess. Mm -hmm. 
What are next steps for BART when it comes to mass? What could our writers look forward to, say, in the next year or two? Um, so what we want to look forward in the next year or two is we're going to continue to improve our parking offerings with ALPR um, and, you know, payments um, to be more seamless on parking. Uh, in addition, we will continue to improve our offerings in uh, the paratransit arena and uh, also do what we're calling the book and pay. And what that means is that for the micromobilities, uh, car share, ride share, we're trying to uh, ensure that you can book and pay through our app. All right. Uh, so that, that's what we're looking at in the next year. Yeah, the other thing from uh, the trip planner perspective is we're looking at some um, kind of new data sets that will allow us to um, help the customer navigate better through mm -hmm. the station, specifically, you know, from right. the fare gates to the escalator to the elevator um, to, you know, internal parking validation machines, that sort of thing so that the customer has a better, more thorough trip plan to, to look at, and they, we can increase that comfort as they're walking through our services and our stations. You know, one thing that's really heartening in our conversation that keeps coming up is paratransit. I've heard that several times. Mm -hmm. And we also hear a lot at BART about access. And for us, that means making it as easy as possible for people to use BART. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about the paratransit community, that can be a real challenge. But it seems like Mass has tremendous potential to be helpful there. Right, yeah. We've actually rolled out a paratransit app. So, but again, we used our platform in order to serve up an app for uh, paratransit where uh, they're able to book their trip uh, and pay for it. Uh, and we did the testing around ADA compliance um, and we worked with uh, East Bay Paratransit, uh, BART and AC Transit to get that you know, deployed. It's going very well right now. Um, it's newly uh, deployed since uh, July, um, but it's going very well. And we're getting a lot of good feedback, but also we're learning to improve on some of the, the ADA um, stuff. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. You know, I think one of the other key elements there is that it really removes the need for um, the customer and the paratransit driver mm -hmm. um, to exchange anything. It's all contactless. This was really important for us, particularly as we were developing this thing during during the lockdowns. Um, and uh, that was it was really important to bring that service out to these customers of right. ours. So, Tim, I'm going to steer this one directly to you. And Mass has only been around, you mentioned BART's been going at it for about five years, mm -hmm. thereabouts. But you've been at BART since 2005. And I know one of your first efforts, I saw you write about this, was to provide real-time arrival information and service advisories to our writers. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so basic, but that was not the case back then, was it? No, that's funny. It's funny <laughs> that you're, you're bringing that out. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a time when we did not inform customers about delays and we did not provide real-time information about where when trains were going to arrive. And, you know, it seems like second nature now. At the time, um, even just talking about this really um, got, got a lot of folks excited here. Um, there, were, there were some folks on one side who thought, oh, well, you know, maybe having real-time arrival information out there might um, set up expectations that we're not going to be able to meet or, um, you know, customers are going to judge us more on our on-time performance, things like that. On the delay advisory side, there were some who said, oh, you know, do we really need to talk about how we're, we're failing? Um, but 
you know, yes, we do. We need to talk to customers about where things are changing and their expectations are not going to be met. And uh, you know, we had we had a, a lot of uh, a lot of internal discussion on this, and a lot of folks who felt very passionately about it on each side. But at the end of the day, everybody decided to work together and, and get this thing to happen. And it really cut across a number of different groups in our in our um, in our in our uh, company. Um, our computer systems engineering team, transportation, our folks down in OCC, media and public relations. Uh, I mean, it was a it was a huge effort, and I think everybody was really excited when we first got that going. Yeah, and data's kind of won the day, hasn't it? You know, that discussion's entirely different now. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you talk to folks internally now, and it's we have to get that information out, and we've been improving it incrementally. Uh, you know, adding things like canceled trips, for example, which you can see on. BART.gov, and you can see within the BART Trip Planner, not so many of the third-party apps are carrying this for some reason, but uh, we think it's really important to get that information out to customers. That's that's the, what we're trying to do, is make the service more transparent and make the service more available to folks um, so that they can make better and more informed decisions. And Angie, you've been at BART for about eight years. In that time, what do you feel has been the most significant gain in the area of mobility as a service? Oh, I just think that getting it to a platform state. Um, so just and sh- making the mind shift from an application to really getting the support to build a platform. Um, and the executives here at BART have been behind um, supporting us. I think that was the major shift because most people thought of mobility as a service as trip planner and app. And like Tim said, some people in the industry still think that way. We want to be the innovators to say it's more than about, you know, trip planner and an app. It's about a, a continuity of uh, services and improvements. So I think that's, that's been the biggest shift, you know, um, and putting the customer first and not the technology. So I want you both to weigh in on this. What's your favorite part of working at BART? Being able to be innovative on the mass uh, platform, uh, the team that I work with, and then also our business partners. Uh, specifically, I'd want to call out customer access um, because Val's group and Bob Franklin's group have allowed us to, you know, work with them in their customer-facing uh, areas to help build this platform. And they're also key in the way we think through it uh, from a customer's perspective and then us implementing the technology. So I think that's my favorite part, being innovative and then um, my team and the customer. Of the the business partners that we work with. I think for me, it's the immediacy of like solving problems, and I don't get a chance to do this as much anymore. You know, when I was managing the website, you know, on my own, it was uh, kind of a different thing because I always was doing that. But you know, recently going through customer comments, and and we all go through customer comments uh, because they're really they're they're the thing that helps us get better, and they're the thing that gets us to you know the next level. Going through some customer comments the other day, I was looking at uh, some feedback on the website real-time information and the way that it was presented. And uh, we made some quick tweaks on that, got it into one of our development sprints, and it got out in a couple of weeks. And to see feedback unsolicited about that change, that people appreciated it. Um, and it was just very a, a very basic UI change. I love that. I love that feeling of immediacy when you when you do some some sort of improvement and you get that feedback back and that validation. So I love that. 
I would think that has to be tremendously rewarding and gratifying for your work because the stuff mm-hmm. that you're doing is very much behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you take that pause, and it sounds like you do, to think about how many writers are truly impacted by the innovations yes. that you're coming up with? Yeah, yes, we do. We look at, you know, how many, you know, how much feedback we're getting. And we actually, whether, you know, the customers know it or not, when we get feedback, we really look at it so, and, and to see how we can improve um, because we want to hear the customer's voice. And the other thing is, is that, you know, we look at our, our app ratings. I know I said it's not about the channel, but we look at the feedback that comes back on the the iOS and the Android apps to see where we can improve. So it, it really means a lot to us when we hear the customer voice or when we're out at webinars or seminar and we hear, you know, this is making a difference and we do see what you're doing. Yeah, on the on the traffic side, you know, we get about 48,000 users a day on the website and on the on the app and it's about 20,000 users a day. So to put that in context, um, our digital properties are serving about 41% of our daily ridership, you know, on a daily basis. And these are numbers that we like to track because, you know, customers have options. They can right. go to Google, they can go to Apple, they can go to any number of places to get information about BART. You know, we take that competition very seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay, give us some perspective on that. Is, is that considered a high number in transit to have that big of a percentage <laughs> come to our app? Uh, you know, I cannot tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is one of those things that it's really hard to get out yeah. of uh, other agencies. You know, I'd love to set a baseline, for example, uh, a metric like the one that I just told you about, um, to, to pass that out to, you know, a lot of different agencies and see where we are. I, it's, it's hard for me to say. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I knew. Right. And, you know, the other thing is, is I like when we go on to, um, you know, some of the the websites or the, the news and we find out we're rated, you know, one of the top 10 apps in the Bay Area. And we had no idea, you know, that that was coming. So even to, you know, see some of that, but to know whether we're that is a good number or not, that's something as we dig into our data and reach out to agencies that we hope to find. And one of the things I'd like to add is that data is very key to mass, right? We're talking about, you know, the tools and the technology, but you'll see that BART um, has really focused on gathering data so that we can make more key and informed decisions. And it's not just, oh, here's what we need to think. And it's not just about the rider data, but it's about the customer, you know, feedback. That's that's data too, you know, and, and, and information we need to look at. So we just don't know about the number yet, but it's something that we hope to get to. One of the things that we haven't done, we actually have a systems integration partner, a Transite. So I'd just like to have a, give a shout out to them. And they're helping us in, um, they helped us form our current mass platform and they are, have been really key to getting us where we are now. So I just want to do a shout out to Transite and uh, Satinder Bala and his group. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Talk about that. Like what, what, talk about how they come into play and why they're important. I'll let you. Yeah. So we went on a pretty, pretty thin crew here. Um, you know, I've got two people in my group um, running the website and running our web services. Um, we, and we do a lot of contracting work. And, you know, in my group, we also, I also run, uh, you know, our Salesforce org, and, and that's where we're getting a lot of great business intelligence, particularly around the customer feedback. But we have to rely on partners like Transite to help us deliver these services. 
uh, because we're just not staffed up to, to deliver all of the elements of it. Transite is a big part of, I think, our innovation process. Mm-hmm. Um, they're bringing ideas as well. Um, but at the same time, they also provide the boots on the ground for us to get this work done. And it's a, it's a critical element in what we're doing. Mm. BART's Director of Technology, Angie West, and Tim Moore, our Manager of Web Services. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks Thank for having you. us, Chris. Thank you for having us. And thank you for listening to Hidden Tracks, Stories from BART. You can listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and, of course, at our website, bart.gov podcasts.